Hey, this is Red Beach from Whitesnake, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hi, this is Simon Wright from D.O. Dio Disciples and ACDC, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Blackie Lawless from Wasp, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. All right, Pittsburgh! You wanted the best! You got the best! Hello and welcome to episode 521 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 521, our last podcast of 2023. Who better to end it with than the Trans-Siberian Orchestra? We have joining us for the, I don't even know how many years in a row, Mr. Joel Holkstra will be on uh, momentarily to talk about the two shows they're doing at the PPG Paints Arena on the 16th of December. There's a 2.30 show and a 7.30 show. They'll be performing The Ghost of Christmas Eve, which if you recall and follow the band, was the video performance they did. It was uh, uh, run on PBS, available on DVD, uh, featured kind of a greatest hits uh, to that point of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra woven into a story about a girl getting home, um, which is the story they'll be presenting that night in the first half of the show. The second half is, quote, the best of the TSO. Uh, so I think if you've if you've not seen a TSO show before, there's typically two halves to the show, sometimes with an intermission, sometimes not, depending on timing. Uh, this one ought to be interesting because our, our friends... Uh, on the North Shore, the Pittsburgh Steelers have moved their game to the same day. They are playing at 4.30, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of time that out. I am sure they will do their best to get the early show out before the game. The late show starts at 7.30, so that game should be pretty well wrapped up. So if you've got tickets uh, and we're stressing about that, I certainly understand. Uh, we're going to talk to Joel about that, uh, some things he has going on in his own career, uh, and what you can expect from the spectacle that is the TSO. Um, we also had Jeff Plate earlier in the uh, fall join us to talk about the show as well. We typically talk to both gentlemen every year, uh, big supporters of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra as they're big supporters of the Pittsburgh community, always making charitable donations uh, in their wake as they come through two sold-out shows every year at the PPG Paints Arena, uh, which when you think about it in, the, in terms of grand-scale tour, it's always interesting that the TSO year after year after year makes the top 10 pole star list for biggest tours and it's one of those things you don't think about you know you think of uh you know the rolling stones luke bryan um you know kiss whomever uh but the tso you realize they quietly come into your town and sell out your arena two times in the single day for the east uh group and the west group are doing the same thing elsewhere in the country at the same time so uh, in a very short amount of time six weeks or so uh, packing a massive amount of concert dates. Uh, always a pleasure to have them. Always a, a phenomenal show. So without further ado, we are going to play a little bit of Christmas Dreams, which is taken from The Ghost of Christmas Eve, and then we'll talk to Joel Holkstra. Somewhere beyond 
Where the light rarely goes Somewhere beyond Where the dark barely breathes Somewhere this night Where the dark only knows She awaits ever patient She awaits rarely seen But her moments are taken For in the dead of the night Gathering light Christmas dreams I want to wrap all my moments around her I want to watch as she glitters the night Floats her dreams in the air People watch, children stare At these tears of captured light While she awaits ever patient She awaits rarely seen Still her moments are taken For in the dead of the night Gathering light Christmas dreams And a tear falls upon her snow-white hair And it runs to the end where it lingers there Then it falls to the air of a winter sky Till it captures a dream Pleasure to welcome Darren City Rocks on the line. We have Mr. Joel Hoekstra. How are you doing today, Joel? I'm great, man. Thanks so much for taking the time out today. Absolutely my pleasure. We are it's scary to think, but a little over two weeks away from your tour starting, if I'm correct. Um, you're back at it. It seems yeah. like it, you might have 
not finished unpacking from last year's junket before you get to go out and do this again. Um, Are you guys into rehearsals at this point? I know you guys kind of go and and follow into warehouse every year. Is it to that point yet? Leaving in a couple of days. Yeah, we actually rehearse in in an arena. Okay. And uh, so you have the two stage setups kind of facing each other and whichever, whether it be the East Band or the West Band, when one of us is on the main stage, the other one is kind of in the rehearsal room. Okay. So, and then we kind of switch places. So how far in advance do they tell you, like, okay, this year you're doing The Ghost of Christmas Eve, which obviously, it, with your tenure with the band, you've done, the, you know, that body of material and the quote greatest hits of the TSO and I don't know who gets the unenviable task of determining which constitute the greatest hits but how far in advance do you get that you know here's the 20 songs or whatever you need to work on you know before you get to this point in in the preparation I'd say it's about a month before rehearsals begin. So I fly in two days to rehearsals. And, yeah, we usually get a song list about a month before that. That usually includes uh, material that won't even be in the show, that they're going to want to take a look at on the main stage. And, you know, they usually have a little debate and powwow about what it should be in the running order. So there isn't really a full running order. Obviously, the front half, when mm-hmm. once they've decided on the story, we have a running order for that. But there's, of course, the opening of the show, which is always different. And then the back half is always, you know, there's always great debate about that, like what's going to be in the back half of the show. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that's something that it, it takes a little bit of extra material. So I'm not exactly sure how many songs were on the list total. Um, but, you know, you just kind of usually run the stuff for a few weeks at home, get yourself together. So you're going to play well right out of the gate of rehearsals and sure. we can hit the ground running and make our first show sound like, you know, we're in the middle of the tour. We don't want to like be rounding into form for day one. Sure. How is, the, you know, I've often wondered, you know, you know, this year you guys are coming in to Pittsburgh, uh, a nice kind of sweet spot right before Christmas. Sometimes we get you the week between Christmas and New Year's. Sometimes they dump you here on a night where there's a Steeler game and you have to wonder who's looking at the schedule. But uh, when you're doing those early shows, you know, those kind of mid-November shows, is the crowd energy noticeably different? Or are people pretty into it, you know, in those early shows? No, I'd say they're into it in the early shows, too. I mean, we're close enough that people are starting to get into the holiday spirit and be able to go. And obviously, that's the necessity for the East and the West Band. If you're going to cover the entire United States, you know, yeah. you're, now you're starting to talk about if it's one band, well, people are going to be trying to come into a Christmas show August 22nd or yeah. something like that. I mean, it would make no sense, no, no sense at all. So um obviously having the west and the east band that allows us to cover the whole u.s um but no i I mean they're they're enthusiastic out of the gate i think it's something that has appeal beyond just the holiday spirit thing i think it's a show that people enjoy like you know not only for the music but the production itself is just so incredible to look at so it's something that kind of stands on its own merit aside from the holiday spirit i think yeah and it's it i imagine in some respects people might benefit you know because Life's a little less hectic, I think, for the, you know the common person in in November than it is in December when you're trying to get ready for, you know, relatives and the such. Um, and it is such a, you know, such an amazing spectacle. And, and let's be honest, the, the department stores are, are beat you guys to Christmas music already. You know, I was in a store last week and heard Christmas ah. music. Like, 
Okay, we're not quite to Halloween yet here. Could we just get the some John Carpenter on the music here, and we'll uh, shop for that for a couple of days. So, um, is there? Are, are you to the point with some of this material, like the Ghost of Christmas Eve, for example, that body of work you've done, um, you guys, you know, many times? Is it something where it doesn't take a lot of time to kind of to break off the rust? You know, you go eight or nine months without playing it, but does it come back pretty quick? Um, I mean, that depends, because some of the back half stuff can be stuff that hasn't been played on tour in a few years, mm-hmm. something like that, or never. There's some stuff that's never been played. Um, so there's always, there's there's a lot of prep involved. I mean, I think you'd be surprised. Like, you know, playing some of the old standards, you want to definitely run them and, like, you know, make sure that you know how to play them tightly, like the very first rep at rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um there's, you know, we kind of have a friendly competition in that regard in the band, you know. You don't want to be the guy coming in playing clunkers and stuff like that, even at rehearsals. So, yeah. um, something where we try and motivate each other. But, yeah, it's more prep than you would think because you, you definitely get some stuff that's different every single time. Yeah, it's not like, uh, you know, when you're going out with Whitesnake, for example, you kind of have an idea in your head before you go. You know, he's not going to bust out you know, some deep track from Saints and Sinners on you um, when you're on the road. Is the um, preparation when you I mean, you I'll, do- I'll, I'll, I'll respectfully disagree with you on that because they, they do the same way, you know. They, when we're going into rehearsals, there's a pretty long list of songs that'll say maybe this, maybe this, maybe this, and we're all kind of thinking, David, realistically, we're going to end up playing the most popular songs by the time yeah. we're out on the road. But, um, you know, there's definitely some deep cuts with white snake on that initial list as well so yeah that's you know that's it's i think an interesting thing though because you think of the tso and, and obviously you think of sarajevo 1224 but everyone's kind of got their own favorite i think of at least in my impression of, of the tso is it's you know it's an album kind of experience i don't put on i don't think of you as, as tso is singles oriented but white snake you know there are greatest hits albums of Whitesnake for a reason. Um, you know, there there are certain songs that, you know, if you grew up listening to the band in the late 70s, early 80s, late 80s, um, you know, there's certain songs you, you, you expect to hear. I don't know that there's a TSO song other than 1224 that I would say I was shortchanged if you didn't play, you know. You know, there's enough variety of material and the depth of material and... and um, to allow you that. Yeah, it's a different. It's a it's a different kind of um, commercial success than a band. You mm-hmm. know, like if you take a song like "Here I Go Again," that's become transcendent and worked its way into mm-hmm. culture across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, Trans Siberian, I would say, that's been built maybe a little bit more off of the show itself, like the yeah. tour itself, that people associate the act itself um, yeah. with you know, American Christmas culture. And it, and it's very cool, like, how ingrained it's become. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've been out now, or we've been out since 1999, and we're talking over 18 million tickets sold in that time, and, um, you know, $900 million gross, something like that, over that course of time. And, and uh, you know, in the last five years alone, there's 750 million audio-video streams that have occurred with TSO. So... Mm. It's like something that 
it's just ingrained in like American Christmas culture at this point in yeah. time, which is something that that's that was really Paul O'Neill's vision. He wanted this to be a tradition that lived on beyond him. And sadly, you know, we have lost Paul. And um, it's cool to watch it come to fruition, man. You know, I mean, that was his goal. And he put his heart and soul into TSO and cared immensely about it. And uh, there's also something kind of fun about the fact that, like, if you laid this out on paper and uh, explained this to people in a room before it happened, you'd probably think that, you know, it wasn't going to work. You'd scratch your head and go, I don't know, I don't don't see that. You know, if you were the person saying, no, this is going to fill arenas twice a day um, and become one of the biggest you know, billboard and pole star tours every single year, which it is. And, um, it's, it's cool to watch that come to fruition because, you know, Paul, he was very eccentric and, and he cared greatly about this, you know, very, very deeply about it. And, um, so it's fun to be a part of that and watch that, you know, him kind of get the last laugh, so to speak, you know, this is, it's actually worked. And, uh, it has become part of American Christmas culture, and um, that's that's really neat. I, I love that it's a tradition for people. But, yeah, it's different than, like, a hit song. When you're yeah. talking about, I get where you're coming from when you're talking mm-hmm. about a band having a hit song. And, you know, TSO, I think it's like it's known for TSO, like yeah. Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Well, yeah, Christmas, that, that's the association. And um, I think it's just great that it's a tradition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is is there is a performer, and and it, more specifically a guitarist? Does the front half of the show or the back half of the show, which do you prefer? Like, does the rigors of the story um, make a big difference? You know, there's parts obviously, you know, where the guitar might sit out in, in a song or two here or there, even on both halves of the show. But is there a, a time of the show you prefer? The energy of the second half, the story of the first half. No, I, I mean, I, I get a lot of like, you know, what's your favorite song to play or what's your, you know, you're mm-hmm. asking me what's my favorite part of the show. And, and the honest answer is like, it, it's all really, really important because like, let's say, you know, I play my favorite song great in that show or whatever, or play without any mistakes, but in some other song I hit a clunker mm-hmm. and like, you know, then, then I'm still going to be miserable after the show. It's not going to make any difference. So from my from my perspective, like when you're a professional musician, you're kind of focused on the the task at hand the entire time. So it's all of equal importance. There's no like, it's not about like sitting back and listening to it. It's about playing it. Right. So I guess at the end of the day, for me, that means like, look, it all has to be like you know as good as I can possibly do. So that requires mental mental fo- mental. My goodness, it's been a long day. <laughs> mental focus. Uh, <laughs> to be able to uh, pull off properly, you know? I, and that, that's the only way I'm going to be happy is if I've had a good show, like in its right. entirety. Because, you know, it, it's important when you're playing a lot of shows. You can grow numb to the fact that, you know, look, these people, they're, they're probably seeing one show. Mm-hmm. So these people that are sitting out there, they paid their hard-earned money to see the one. So you can't go out there and phone it in or have any kind of mistakes or anything that's less than your best because it's their one time seeing it. And you want them to walk away going, that was that was great. And, you know, that's good for all of us to remind ourselves when we're on tour on a regular basis. When, when um, you, you know, that that goes with any band. Sometimes you sure. get a little numb to it. You know, the, the, the fact that you're playing for different people, you start to look at it like it's, you know, well, here's the audience and here we go to do our thing again. But it's important to remember the other side of that. Sure, sure. Do you, like in, in the preparation, do you guys watch yourself? Like, do they record and you kind of critique 
that aspect of it? Um, we don't critique ourselves. They were kind of like critiqued by management and like mm-hmm. the, the creative team. Um, so yeah, in the center of the arena, there's kind of, um, I'd say a few like, you know, I guess, I don't know how to describe it. Like, you know, your standard folding tables, like right. long folding tables where everybody's kind of sitting down taking notes and then they all go have their powwow and talk about this and that. And I think this could be better or this could look better. Or, you know, they have their debates and then we get back up there and we do it with those tweaks and changes and they review it. And, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of, uh, quality control happening and sure. you know our jobs you know you, everybody everybody knows how to stay in their lane man with tso you know it's a it's an extremely professional organization right. you know it's there's nothing and there's nothing where um you know i'm gonna think that i'm gonna make up the set list or anything that right. year you know what i mean sure. like I, my my job is to play the music to the best of my ability and entertain the crowd and that's that's you stay in your lane and you do the very best you can with that that's a lot i i have to wonder you know obviously i'm sure you've seen clips of of the sphere and and that element what paul could have done in a setting like that i just be something to see um is yeah i saw i saw a little i saw a little post from somebody a, a, a fan online talking about that recently and uh and then a, a diehard fan had chimed in, like, I think it would be too much, too big for, you know, because TSO wouldn't be the focus. And then our lighting designer had actually chimed in saying, no, 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 it would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so I think our lighting designer is, like, all about it. Like, let's get a show in that sphere, man. You know? um, I, hey, you know, you never know. And it would be interesting to see if Paul were around today, what yeah. his take would be on that, if he'd be into that or not. Yeah, I, I think you, you look at that, and I, you see they would would be despise it or salivate at it. it it's, I don't see that as being a kind of a middle of the road reaction from him. Um, it, it would probably make the logistics of of doing the show much easier for you guys if you could just stay in a hotel in one place for several weeks. But uh, you know, obviously, it would it grossly expand the uh, ability of of lighting and and the theatrics of the show just an amazing looking venue but it's interesting to see i mean you guys I, I think you know as an organization have probably maybe indirectly contributed to that kind of technology though because so much of, of the cutting edge technology has come through the tso you know i remember paul talking about that 10 years ago you know these people would come and present the latest and greatest things to him um so it's it's neat to see where the bounds of this get pushed but uh, yeah i mean paul was always about you know the, the production being the biggest and the best that it could mm-hmm. possibly be you know it's like start you start on 10 and take it from there you know i mean it's it, and it really is amazing like what to what a spectacle tso is i mm-hmm. mean the, the stage is incredible just to just to be a musician have that opportunity it's just it's just incredible. I mean, you know, that you got that video wall, the width of the arena and, you know, the Pink Floyd laser light show vibe happening and all the, the kiss pyro and moving hydraulic lifts that were on and us running through the audience and, you know, the snowing indoors bit. And yeah, I mean, it's just really uh, amazing to, to be a part of that. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, I try to add to that in my own way by bringing out all the fun guitars to look at and, and trying to be visual on stage. And, you know, it's just a, it's a spectacle. It's definitely a, you know, it's, um, and yet you can go from this massive, you know, you mentioned Sarajevo earlier when mm-hmm. we're playing that, it's kind of pulling out all the stops. And then the next thing you know, you're down to a, you know, a single light on a singer and an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And we're playing like, you know, cause Paul, Paul was a big James Taylor fan, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he likes a lot of that kind of storytelling vibe too, where it's just a, a singer and an acoustic guitar. And so it can go from this massive thing down to this, tiny little intimate thing in an arena and it's it's really interesting to watch that dynamic yeah yeah it, it does keep a certain ebb and flow to the to the well even to the story to the to the presentation you know if it was just bombastic from the moment you know the curtain dropped to the end it may be too much i think sometimes that variation keeps keeps you interested you know you have somebody come out and do an intimate ballad like you know you, you mentioned the the acoustic number you do um, you know, it adds a nice dynamic um, to the show. Well, Joel, I want to thank you so much again. You're going to be coming in the 16th of December to do two shows at the PPG Paints Arena. You'll start sometime mid-November for this tour, and I'm sure it'll take you through the new year. I wish you all the best, safe travels, and we'll see you in about two months, man. Yeah, thank you as always for helping us, you know, get the word out and taking the time out. We couldn't do this without your help you know and and uh helping us uh make this tour a success and selling the tickets that we do so thank you very much promo west north shore and yingling presents static x and seven dust with special guests dope and lines of loyalty february 19th at stage ae tickets are on sale now at access.com or the stage ae box office for more information, visit stageae.com. Don't miss this special co-headline show with Static X and Seven Dust. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and Yingling. Hey, giant thank you to Joel Holkster, also Jeff Plate, and the entire Trans-Siberian Orchestra. At one point, I think the count of people from the TSO that have been on Iron City Rocks is somewhere around a dozen. I was trying to kind of calculate that at one point, going back through years and years of musicians that have been involved with the TSO. Um, Al Petrelli, Alex Skolnick, uh, Chloe, Joel, Jeff, um, Chris Caffery, um, and that list goes on even further. Jeff Scott Soda uh, has been on Iron City Rock, so no shortage of, of members of the bands. Uh, personally, a very big fan of the TSO because they always put on a first-rate show and enjoy how um, kind of sublimity they've woven the way into the fabric of christmas culture with essentially some heavy metal music even though you don't want to tell everybody in your family you're going to heavy metal show we all know you're going to see a really cool sabotage show uh with some christmas songs so uh, awesome to have the guys back in town really appreciate their time um we'll look for joel in 2024 i know that white snake has announced some dates uh, and I'm sure he's got 10,000 other things going on there. And grass never grows under Joe Holkster's feet. So without further um, ado, we want to wish you and yours a happy holiday and happy new year. want you to watch our social medias at ironcityrocks.com. We are headed into the Pittsburgh Music Awards. We do these every year. Uh, the nomination process will begin very, very soon. Uh, so if you are a band that has been mad, you have not been nominated this is your chance get you and your fans 
collectively in there and and, and nominate your band. Uh, the finalists will be announced. We'll do the final voting shortly after the new year uh, for those awards. So we'll check that out. You can drop us an email, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, things you like on the show, things you'd like to hear on the show that we've not done, or things you're tired of hearing of. Uh, really anything you want to tell us, say to us, ask us. Love to hear from you. So until 2024, we want to thank you so much for joining us in 2023. Uh, for those of you who've been around since 2009, I believe at this point, uh, we've been around. So uh, we want to thank you for those of you who have been with us since the beginning. Those of you who are just joining us, feel free to go back and listen to the other 520 episodes that preceded this. We are certain there's somebody that we've had on that you love to listen to. So thank you so much. Take care.